the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and Money. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. The Poseidon Adventure, a movie about a big boat that sinks to the bottom of the ocean and how they try to escape the few remaining survivors, ended with the song, The Morning After. I think so. And that's kind of what we have going on with the Federal Reserve. It's the morning after the day that of, of reckoning. And a surprise to some, but not to others, the Federal Open Market Committee decided to leave its target range with the federal funds rate unchanged in its September meeting. Oh, good God, man. Like, just do it. This is torture. In the wake of that decision, the equity market bounced all over the place. The S&P 500, which started the day at 1995, traded up to 2020 before ending the session at 1990. It was a seesaw affair that captured the essence of uncertainty tied up in the directive and the exasperation over the Federal Reserve Chairman's Janet Yellen's press conference. The FOMC made the right database decision to leave the target rate for the federal funds rates unchanged. Unfortunately, the communication guidance was as garbled as ever. That's what it sounded like. This is just sloppy. Fed Chairman Janet Yellen took advantage of every opportunity in her press conference to remind listeners that a majority of Fed participants still expect a rate hike before the end of the year, even though she expressed their reservations about a potential impact of global developments on the U.S. economy and continued downward pressure on inflation. The Federal Reserve's job is to A, fight inflation, and B, get maximum employment, maximum growth with GDP, or something like that. I don't know if there is actually written in stone. I give you the Ten Commandments in stone. Not quite the same thing going on over at the Federal Reserve. So she said a rate hike is a possibility, but it's really not that much historically a possibility. 
You have an October meeting that doesn't have a press conference tied towards it, so that's probably not going to be when they raise rates. And then you have December, which end of the year, you kind of mess up. Yeah, they could do December. But then it even starts getting trickier. Next year is an election year. And the last thing the Federal Reserve wants to do is tank the economy. And then everyone's going to go, hey, it's the Democrats that tank the economy. It's the Democrats that tank the economy. Uh, long story short, it's it's tricky. So I would expect a December. That, that seems to be the only window they can do it. Um, she fought to explain the inconsistency between lower projections for the unemployment rate and lower projections for the PCE inflation. A few questioners rightfully pressed her on that seemingly inconsistent dynamic. So there's not a lot of inflation. The Fed doesn't really need to raise interest rates. If you go by the quote-unquote Ten Commandments, that's not written in stone. The long and short of the FOMC decision and updated economic projections is that they effectively left the market in its forlorn state of having to guess when the first rate hike may occur. Now, the Fed doesn't want to wait until there's a recession because, they, well, in theory, you can low to negative rates. But right now, they're at zero to a quarter percent, depending on any lending institution. They want to get up to a quarter percent completely. And then they want to get up to 50 basis points, and they want to get up to 75 basis points. And let's say a recession hits. They can go, you know what? We're going to make this cost of money cheaper. I'm starting to think, and this is just showing you how jaded I am, that the Federal Reserve will keep rates no higher than 2.5% left in my investing lifetime. It used to be as high as 4, 4.5. I mean, I can remember the good old days. 5. Um, so the directive from the Federal Reserve seemed to imply that several months of data need to pass by to form a reasonable judgment of global developments and what's happening. Or, in this case, what's not happening. The market is sensing that a rate hike will be forestalled until 2016, but it recognizes that Fed Chairman Yellen's remarks that it can't embrace that as a view as a given. This is just, it's sloppy. They should have done it. They should have done it. Gotten it over with. Can I move on? Can I move on? I, I think we'll still continue to have a roller coaster ride on the capital markets, uh, twisting and turning, throwing riders for a loop on occasion, with incoming data points and intermediate speeches from federal officials. The entirety of Europe, you had a deterioration in Europe today. A 3% decline in German's DAX. Germany's like, I don't know, if you had a family of five or six people, they're like John Boy Walton. They're the good boys who don't get into a lot of trouble, as far as economically speaking. The United States, we're like, we, we, we throw out debt like, you know, a crack addict smoking crack. Like, can't get enough debt. We need more debt. Credit card debt, car debt, government debt, debt. We'll throw it out there. Um, China, they just make stuff up. Um, and they move people around. They have entire cities that are completely empty. Entire cities. So, European sovereigns are benefited from the sense that FOMC might not raise rates now until 2016. Um United States hasn't seen a lot of earnings growth in the second half of this year. That's disappointing. 
because that's something we wanted to see some earnings growth, and we really haven't seen it. So we continue to deal with that, per se. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. The Fed did nothing. And Wall Street doesn't really much care for that. You're seeing the markets uh, lower. And by doing nothing, they essentially said, there is a global problem. Apple customers are reporting devices crashing on the iOS 9 update. That's not good. Remember the iOS 8 update that Apple did last year? Some people lost cellular coverage on their cellular phone. Uh-oh. Uh, U.S. eases rules for travel and business in Cuba. It's a brave new world, ladies and gentlemen. J.P. Morgan's third quarter trading revenue down like other firms. What the Federal Reserve wants to see before raising interest rates is stabilization in world markets. Oil falls again, down 3% today. On that, basically the Federal Reserve warning that U.S. health of the, or I'm sorry, the Federal Reserve warning that the global health of the economy is not the greatest. And who consumes oil? The globe. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, yeah, so the Apple iOS update, that's kind of interesting. Not wildly interesting, but kind of interesting. Drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. Hackers have found a, a way to seamlessly cheat at online poker. That's an industry that's not ready for prime time, is it? Um... Anyway, I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. Coming up, I'm going to talk Barracuda Hockey. Barracuda Hockey. And much, much more. A little later in the show, we got IB Times coming on. Got a full pack show for you, a little real estate. I'm Rob Black. 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. It's the Friday Ice Report. Friday Ice Report. Your San Jose Barracuda Hockey Updates. Joining me now, John Gustafson, Vice President for the Sharks, San Jose Sharks, and the San Jose Barracuda. How are you, Mr. Gustafson? Very well, Rob. And thanks for having me on. We're excited. I'm personally very excited. Uh, 40-plus year hockey fan, so beginning a new team that is family-friendly in the Bay Area, the San Jose Barracuda. I'm Jones, and looking forward to the season starting. Um, tell us a little bit about the San Jose Barracuda. This is new. Well, yeah, very much. Well, first of all, we play in the American Hockey League. Uh, you know, the league is now 80, celebrating its 80th anniversary, and uh, we are San Jose Barracuda is our uh, San Jose Sharks AAA affiliate, uh, which is our highest development league, and uh, we're going to be playing uh, you know 68 total games within the league, uh, 34 in San Jose at the SAP Center. Uh, so extremely excited. And, and you know, not to mention, we're extremely excited about our partnership with KDOW uh, being our flagship uh, radio station. Now, before they were NHL stars, Couture, Logan Couture, Joe Pavelski, they played in an AHL team. But you moved the team from Wooster, which I always have trouble saying, 
from Worcester <laughs> all the way back to San Jose. Why did you put the affiliate in San Jose? Well, first and foremost, you know, we've always recognized for a number of years that the best development model is where our American Hockey League team is in close proximity to our NHL team. And uh, years back, you know, the American Hockey League was really East Coast-centric, uh, so we were kind of stuck with, uh, you know, long trips back and forth, bringing our players back uh, when we needed call-ups. And, um, you know, we couldn't just bring the team out here uh, by ourselves. That would be economically unfeasible as well as uh, uh, we'd have nobody to play. So really the stars had to align, and we worked very hard with our West Coast partners, such as the Ducks and the Kings and the Oilers and the Flames, to bring all of the affiliates or bring all of the American Hockey League team uh, out west. And uh, by doing so, uh, has really um, kind of fulfilled you know, our wishes and dreams to have our you know, number one development team in very close proximity. Um, so we're very excited about that. Speaking with John Gustin, vice president of both the San Jose Sharks and San Jose Barracuda. The Barracuda are going to play 34 home games. There's going to be double headers with the Sharks. What will those look like? Well, in most cases, we'll play uh, first. Uh, we'll have either a 115 or one third start, uh, and then the Sharks will then follow at 7:30. You know, again, we are uh, um, San Jose was recently coined by the Hockey News as Hockey Town 2.0. Okay. Um, we have a tremendous hockey base. Um, and we are very much excited to, to offer both properties, obviously the NHL, which is the best best in the world. Uh, these American Hockey League guys are striving to be the best in the world. So, um, you know, a slightly different product, very family-friendly, um, and just exciting. I mean, hockey is, you know, without a doubt, you know, the best live sport in the world to watch. So okay. we're very excited to bring this product uh, to San Jose. Um, there's nothing like a, a Game 7 um, <laughs> winner takes all for the Stanley Cup. Nothing better than uh, Game 7 playoff hockey. But uh, with that said, we'll move on. I won't give away too much of my personal insights. Uh, you built a whole new facility for the Barracuda, I believe. Uh, Tell a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, obviously with us uh, relocating the team, we needed, we needed a place for them to, uh, to train because really – um, you know, it's about developing our players. So we recently built a 7,500-square-foot training facility over at Shark Sites at San Jose, uh, which provides, you know, all the amenities, um, you know, for our players. I mean, weight rooms, uh, training rooms, locker room, really a home base because simply uh, we couldn't uh, – we didn't have the space over at SAP with all the large events and, and, and so forth and so on. So – uh, we really believe we have a wonderful development model where our players uh, will be watched on a daily basis by, you know, not only our assistant GM and vice president, Joe Will, um, who oversees the hockey operations of the Barracuda, but Doug Wilson, who oversees um, the Sharks, as well as our uh, our head coaches from the NHL team. You know, as a player developing, you know, what could you ask for? You couldn't ask for more having, you know, all that oversight and knowing that, you know, if you have a good game, that you're going to be seen on a daily basis. It's pretty cool. Training camp starts this week. How are the Barracuda looking for the season? Oh, very good. I mean, you know, so really the Sharks start today, um, and uh, they will start making cuts. Um, I think we have close to 70 players in camp. And uh, once uh, the players get sent down, 
uh, really the Barracuda camp will get rolling. And, um, you know, we're very excited, uh, very busy over at Shark Size with having, you know, two groups of players. And, uh, you know, we just can't wait for the season to get started on October 9th. We open up against the Rockford Ice Hogs at 7.30 p.m., so which is the Chicago Blackhawks' number one affiliate. So, again, extremely excited about the start of the season. Yeah, it's always a time of great promise. Now, I know a lot of families in the Bay Area, and one thing that you know families will talk about is a lot of sports have gotten too rich for a family of four. Um, the Barracuda seem to be going after those families. Tickets start at just $12. You can go to sjbarracuda.com. Tell us a little bit about the ticketing and the pricing and some of the ideas that went into this. Well, well, certainly, I mean, we wanted to, uh, you know, by bringing the team out here was really about development. That's our mantra. And not only development of our players, but of our fan base. Yep. And and we, we certainly wanted to uh, have another entry point for folks to come and experience hockey. And um, so by, by implementing this, uh, we have certainly done so. I mean, you know, you, you mentioned it earlier, you know, tickets start as low as $12. All the seats are lower bowl. Everybody will have access to the club at SAP Center, which is one of the nicest buildings in the country. Um, you know, we'll offer family packs on specific Sundays where you get four hot dogs, four sodas, and uh, four bags of chips, um, you know, and do many cool promotions, to, you know, T-shirt giveaways, bobblehead giveaways, all these things to really drive um, maybe first-time fans to hockey. So, again, we're super excited, and uh, we really can't wait for the start of the season. Now, I know the Sharks are family-friendly, but the Barracuda are going to be double family-friendly because, like you said, it's about getting that base going, getting kids to their first hockey game, and then they, they're lifelong fans. Um, is that, like you said, that's to be expected, some fun promotions? Absolutely, fun promotions. Um, and really what, uh, uh, what will be I mean, totally different than the Sharks is that, you know, we, these guys are going to be out in the community. And we want them to be part of the community. And not only do we want to develop these, these gentlemen as, as hockey players, but we want to develop them as people. And the best way to do that is to integrate them into the community um, and, and, and just get out there. And, and so by doing so, we truly believe that, you know, we'll get together with, with lots of schools and, and, and folks, and which will then drive uh, folks back to SAP to see the games. Thanks very much, John Gustafson start of a good partnership. I will be at many games this year. I like the price point. I like the product. I like the San Jose uh, uh, franchise and team. I think Doug Wilson's done a pretty darn good job building a franchise out here. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing AHL hockey. AHL hockey is pretty darn exciting. These guys are yeah, playing I... for roster spots. <laughs> Rob, thanks again. And, and again, we truly appreciate this new partnership. Sounds and good. we look uh, for a, a great successful season. Sounds good. Have a good weekend, sir. And everyone, it's sjbarracuda.com. It's sjbarracuda.com. Let's give them a good start of the season. I'm Rob Black, talking to all things financial and a little hockey, eh? Take a break here. Be right back. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. 
On Fridays, I get the luxury and honor to talk to a reporter from either Newsweek or the International Business Times. Today's no different. Senior writer Alexander Nazarian. How are you, Mr. Nazarian? Hi, thanks for having me. You've recently done an interesting piece, and the Pope has come to America, and there's a lot of fanfare on it. Tell us a little bit about what you wrote about with the Pope. Well, I profiled um, the uh, Archbishop Salvatore Cordelione here in the Bay Area, and I used him in many ways as a foil and a contrast to the Pope. Uh, Cordelione is, is an avowed political conservative. He was largely behind Prop 8 here in, in California, you know, the push to prevent, uh, you know, marriage equality. He's he's outspoken on uh, abortion. Uh, he, uh, you know, he is a proponent of, of um, immigration reform, but generally considered a conservative, a, a doctrinal and political conservative as he rose through the ranks of the American church uh, as a, you know, as a, one of its most vociferous political conservatives. And as I profiled him, what I really tried to look at is the Pope has one image and Cordelione had another. But when we sort of scrub away that imagery, the sheen of, you know, the media, what's, what's behind those differences? And one of the conclusions I came to is, although the Pope has a wonderful pastoral manner, doctrinally he is as conservative in many ways as the church that he represents and that Cordelione represents. And when I spoke to Cordelione, he sent me a long statement. He, he essentially more or less said the same thing. Look, you know, the Pope and I are not that different in the, 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 in, in the doctrine we represent. We may highlight different things about it, but ultimately this is a, this is a faith of you know, 2,000 years, 2000 years old. It doesn't change easily. And I, I think, frankly, there are many conservatives, doctrinal conservatives, here in the U.S. who are waiting for the next pope and are hoping that things will shift back to the center or even to the right as they were with Benedict and, you know, to John Paul, uh, who's also very popular and I would also argue socially very conservative. So, uh, so I think for me, the adulation of the pope coming is fully deserved. It's, it's a wonderful occasion. He's said some wonderful things about, you know, income inequality, uh, uh, climate change, and other social issues. But how, how, how much power do those statements have? I'm not sure. Uh, even, you can even see it in the GOP debates. You clearly have some candidates saying, well, the Pope is not going to tell us what to do on, you know, carbon emissions, uh, carbon dioxide emissions or abortion. So, the, so, so, so my question is, what do those words really mean? And I, I'm not sure that they mean all that much beyond kind of this affirmation they give us that, you know, the Pope is, is a deeply aware and compassionate person, as, as he should be. It's interesting. You wrote an amazingly long piece on this, and I didn't think there was enough story here. But from reading it, it just starts, I mean, you're, you do a, a fascinating representation where there's Pope Francis shirts out there. The Pope's, you know, super big on a worldwide platform. And Coeur d'Alene represents San Francisco, which has about 400,000 Catholics. Is that about right? That's right. Right. But, it's a, you know, it's just 
just because it's it's San Francisco. It's one of the great cities in the United States. Anyone who is going to be the archbishop here is going to be looked at very closely, also because that person is going to have to, you know, work with with a, with a very famously progressive community that that has embraced, um, you know, gay rights for a very long time. So that's always going. There's always going to be that uh, that kind of um, lens on San Francisco. And you know, one I, I I remember in the New York Times when Corleone was first assigned to appointed in San Francisco, uh, a member of a Catholic gay group said, oh, well, they're bringing their top anti-gay here. We must have done something right. So, <laughs> Well said. Um, is that part of the Catholic, doc- not doctrine, but is that part of the Catholic political machine where you get a pope who's on the moderate side, well-liked, he can kind of build some bridges, and then you get maybe the more conservative archbishops in the areas where they want to focus on and, and maybe get a doctrine going, or maybe they put some more liberal ones in the areas that are more conservative. Is there some balancing going here in, that's intentional? Look, I think, I think it's just, in many ways, when we, have a new pre- or when we have a new president, this happens explicitly. He or she will clear out the cabinet, bring new people. Right? You, have a new CIA, you have a new directorate of the CIA, a new... You know, you know, just every, everything gets, gets 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 sort of you know you clear away the brush, you plant new seeds. Well, something similar happens in the Vatican. Although obviously the Vatican things happen, it has its own uh, very very complex rules. But yes, he has. If you talk to people who really are closely watching the Vatican, it is clear that Francis has demoted. You know, people, uh, people like uh, Leo Burke uh, of, of St. Louis and others who are far on the right doctrinally. And he's tried to, I think, as much as he can, advance people who are, uh, you know, who are somewhat more uh, enlightened uh, in sort of, and, and whose views hew closer to 21st century sort of visions of, of, of human relations, relations between men and women, between humanity and the environment. So I think he's just tried to highlight people who are a little bit more open-minded. And that's, that's been a power shift, right? The, the people under Benedict. Benedict was a, was, was, was a doctrinal conservative who, was, who, who, who loved the doctrine, right? And, 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 and Francis loves pastoral care. He loves being with the people. He's shown that over and over, right? He'll just sort of call Catholics. He will, he will wash the feet of prisoners. He's going to meet with prisoners in, I think, in, in New York when he visits. He, he loves the people. Doctrine has taken second place in his papacy. And that's concerning to those for whom doctrine is the center of the church. This ancient, in many ways, beautiful, complex doctrine. Which, which, you know, doctrine that many people argue says nothing about abortion. It's sort of, you know, originally said, you know, I've said nothing about abortion or homosexuality or many of these other issues that we're, we're, we're talking about. But over the years, has sort of things have, uh, certain positions have accrued, right? Uh, almost like barnacles, and it, it would be very difficult to detach them, right? I mean, this is what some liberals would argue. They say, There's nothing in there's nothing in the New Testament 
you know, you know, Jesus doesn't say anything about marriage equality or, or abortion. He says things about he says things about marriage, and you could potentially interpret them as being about about gay rights. But 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 again, if you if you read certain theologians, they'll say that's not that's not what Jesus is talking about. He has nothing to do with that. But you know, we're clearly clearly that's not what many people believe. Otherwise, we wouldn't have these debates within the Catholic Church. Is the Catholic Church or the Vatican, are they moving towards a more liberal or moderate platform and away from where they've been in the past where no female priests, they didn't welcome gays? Are they truly moving that direction or does it just appear that they are? Well, there's no, there's, Francis has, I, I it does not seem to me that, that the ordination of women is, is something that is on the verge of happening. Uh, 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 maybe, 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 maybe Vatican watchers see see a, see a change uh, that I, that I'm missing, but it certainly doesn't seem like that's about to happen. Uh, he, yes, it's true that women can, you know, he made it easier this next year for women who've had abortions to receive a, a absolution, but they, but that's, but it's that's a sort of a minor policy shift. It's still it's, abortion, is still a sin. It's it's there's no about that at all. Um, you know, his famous. There's the famous statement uh, about uh, gays. Who am I to judge? But as I point out in the piece, uh, Francis has judged. He has, he has he has explicitly come out against uh, homosexuality. So I'm not sure. Um, I, I'm not sure. Sort of what that that he that this is that that, that there's any sense that he's going to. He, that he can or will do anything that will welcome, um, you know, gays and lesbians into, into the church, um, or, uh, rather that he'll do anything more than he has already done, which is soften the tone. And then there's the question, you know, he, 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 he has said he will not be Pope for, for very long. He is, you know, he's an elderly man, and, 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 and uh, there will be a, 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 the Pope after him could, for, for example, there's, the, the, you know, the, 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 there are some okay. very conservative cardinals waiting in the wings, and gotcha. they could potentially be elected, and everything could be rolled back. There's nothing that he has done, seems to me, that could not be rolled back. Thanks very it's much. Totally I need to, thanks very much. I need to wrap it up there. We have a hard clock. It's Newsweek senior writer Alexander Nazarian. You can find him online at newsweek.com. Is the Pope Catholic? Bay Area liberals who love Pope Francis, but they loathe the right-wing archbishop. They don't understand either man. It's a great long read. It's, it's not quite a novella, but it is a long article, which I love. Very well written. Thanks very much. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. You can find Alex Nazarian at Newsweek.com. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Hello. 
I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. I know the first hour had some curves in it when you're turning on and expecting a business show, but you have to go with that. I think it's a good thing. I don't think it's a bad thing. You want business? I'll give you business. Adobe. They uh, beat estimates by four cents with a quarterly profit of 54 cents. Revenue beat forecasts as well. But Adobe gave a disappointing current quarter forecast despite a rise in Creative Cloud subscriptions. Um, As an audio guy, i.e. I do radio and I do some television, um, Adobe makes just fantastic products. But they've kind of pissed us off in the industry. You used to buy the software and keep the software, and now it's all on subscriptions. And for me, there's some years where I, I don't do any audio editing. I pay someone to do it, or they get paid to do it. I'm like, I don't need it. But when I want it, like, I'm getting ready to launch something soon. I'm working on it. I'm not promising anything. I'm working on it. And I have to do a lot of the editing myself. And uh, I'm like, oh. And I'll sign up for the subscription, and then I'll forget about it, and I'll pay, and I'll pay, and I'll pay, kind of thing. And, uh, just, meh. Adobe is very much so 1980s, 1990s kind of stock. And we don't need the 80s or 90s to come back right now. There's other stocks for you to look at. There's other stocks for you to invest in. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. But think of it as Urkel. We don't need to see Urkel again for a while. La Quinta Holdings announced the departure of a CEO by mutual agreement. That doesn't sound good. I don't care what spin you put on it. That doesn't sound good. Chief Financial Officer Keith Klein will serve as the interim president and the CEO while a search is conducted for a permanent chief executive. Citigroup downgraded the stock to neutral, citing uncertainty about future leadership. Perfect. Stock lesson of the day there is success or failure starts at the top. And when you're the CEO and you're gone, who's going to be the new? It's like that story we just did on Pope. Pope's kind of a moderate. He's got some archbishops who are kind of hardcore conservative. Um, which there, there, There's a difference, right? I think there is. Etna. So, like, on a La Quinta, until you know the new leadership, you got to go pass. It's like the 49ers. They cleared house last year, got rid of their coach. Uh, are they doing it to cut costs? Are they doing it like a lot of players quit and retired? Uh, what's happening? we got to wait and see a little bit before you invest your hard-earned money. Aetna, the health insurer, was upgraded to buy from Hold over Cantor Fitzgerald. They think Aetna's growing Medicare Advantage business has been undervalued by investors. I think every investor should have some health care in their portfolio. I know it's not sexy because you're investing in coughs and lumps and, and cancers. I've always found lumps fascinating. When a body, a human body develops a lump on it. Um, yuck. International game technology. They make slot machines. I know. What a great world we live in. What a wonderful world it would be. Um, they make slot machines. You can invest in slot machines. They were upgraded out and performed from market perform. Uh, they said it's strong cash flow from the key factors for its optimism. One of the slots that they, they make is a progressive slot, which I probably shouldn't know about. Don't tell anyone. On occasion, I like going to Vegas once every two or three years. But the progressive one is like that Wheel of Fortune, where... They're all linked to each other from all the casinos. And every time someone puts money in, a little bit goes to the big pot. A little bit goes to the big pot. A little bit. And you like, whoa, someone could win $117 million on a spin. Yep. And uh, the slot machine maker gets a little piece of that action, too. Mm, did not know that. 
Apple customers, some of them are having problems upgrading their device. I upgraded my device, and it works fine. Uh, a little bit longer battery life, a little bit smoother, a little bit faster. But it did not cure my hemorrhoids. So I'm writing a letter to Tim Cooks, and I'm upset. I want the new operating system to cure my hemorrhoids. I did buy a hemorrhoid donut seat. Um, and for the record, I don't have hemorrhoids, but I do like the seats. I think they're very fashionable and stylish. Bank of America in the news today. New York City pension funds say they will vote to strip Bank of America CEO Brian Moynihan of his chairman's title. That's kind of controversial. When you're chairman of the board and the CEO, oof. Some people do not like that. Some people think it's great because if you want someone in power, that's power. Uh, just my opinion. Uh, I like Bank of America stock at these levels. Facebook plans to release a workplace version of the software by the end of the year. About freaking fracking time. I've got Facebook, and I don't want you seeing my, my personal stuff. So I have to sit there and like edit like settings and privacy and who can see what. I like Facebook because I can t- technically stay in touch with everyone from my past if I want to. I don't want to, but I do like Facebook for that ability. Same thing with LinkedIn. LinkedIn's kind of like a Facebook light to me. I, don't, I use it even less than I use Facebook. But on occasion, let's say I do go to Chile, and I do surf in Chile, and I want to put up a surfing shot. I don't want my boss to see my, my, my chest. I don't want him to see how hairy it is or isn't. I don't want anything to do with that. Good for Facebook. And also, oh, by the way, Facebook's going to offer a freemium version, but they're also going to offer some, uh, like, you can pay for some tools, like uh, word processing and stuff like that, and stuff that I don't even know about. Equifax is offering to buy Australian credit reporting agency Vita for about $1.6 billion. Vita has acknowledged receiving a non-binding offer from the U.S.-based Equifax. Buffalo Wild Wings in the news today. They're ending an ad campaign with comedian Steve Ranzini, Ranazizi after he admitted lying about being in the World Trade Center during the September 11 attacks in 2001. So he said he was in the towers working at a brokerage, and basically after that day, he and his wife moved to the West Coast. It's a great story. He made it up. Should he be fired as a spokesperson? I think we're a little bit too sensitive right now. But I don't know. Then again, you know, if you're Buffalo Wild Wings and people say, hey, I, I, was, I, was, on, I was on around on 9-11. I'm never coming in again because you got that liar. I I get why they were trying to do it. Distance themselves from a liar. Texas Instruments increasing their dividend. Wall Street likes that. They're also uh, adding $7.5 billion to their buyback. They've bought back over 10% of their shares in the last three years. That's pretty significant. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Follow me on Twitter, Rob Black Show. Follow me on YouTube, Rob Black Show. And my Facebook page, for those of you who want to see my chest hair, it's at robblack.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.